0: Because in actual fact I approached her about sharing an event because quite honestly you can count on one hand the number of organizations in Southwest Florida that do terrestrial conservation. There's just not a lot. We still are needing to work together and it's such an honor to be here with this amazing real estate. Tree Foundation is kind of virtual. We Our real estate are trees and not property, so we're just excited to share this. And Christine is an extraordinary leader. You heard that statistic about how many acres they have saved, which is great. And meanwhile, we're doing a similar thing, but globally. And thank you to all my board and supporters who are here. It's a great meeting of the minds, or the leaves, or the whatever you like. Wine is a very botanical product, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So raise your hand if you've ever climbed a tree. Oh, my gosh. Here's Sarah, my master tree climber. That's great. So you all understand the recreational value of trees, which is so great. Um, This talk will be short, I promise you that, so you can go back to the bar. But just want to share a couple amazing factoids and stories about how trees keep us alive. And the best example probably is New York City. And I don't know how many of you have studied The issue a couple decades ago when New York City was uh, challenged by their water supply and they got a price for artificial uh, cleansing of their water through creation of some plants to clean the water at about six billion dollars and yet they got another estimate of buying Forests in the Catskill Mountains for one and a half billion dollars so that mother nature could clean their water at that Price and what do you think they did? (laughs) So do the math um, for one and a half billion dollars New York City now has probably the cleanest water of any big city in the world and mother nature's forests are doing that activity and it will continue to happen as long as those Catskill Mountains are conserved. No more replacement of parts in those six billion dollars worth of artificial plants, but this extraordinary force called Mother Nature that's keeping their water supply clean. So that's one of the amazing advantages of trees and the scary thing for me is that 50% of our forests have disappeared in my lifetime. Now, don't ask me how old I am, I'm really old, but um, unfortunately not old enough. That's not really a good statistic. And I think we need to think harder about trees. People worry about changing climate, people worry about uh, soil erosion, people worry about pollinators, but all of these things are easily fixed by that simple process of planting trees, which is kind of awesome and very cool. Um, Sarasota, Florida is actually an epicenter for a lot of what has happened to make forests valued much more accurately. And it's pretty fun to think about this because it's never really been written up. But, you know, at Selby Gardens in the 1990s, we hosted the first ever and the second ever international canopy conferences. And this is a huge step forward because for 200 years, people had studied trees either cut down or just the bottom six feet, what you see when you walk through a forest. It's what I call, it hits you over the head science. It's like, how come we <laughs> forgot about the other 95% of the tree? But we had done that. And so because of this kind of creation of this opportunity to look up into the canopy, suddenly the whole world changed. We started measuring carbon in trees. We started looking at the fact that half of the biodiversity in the world lives in the tops of trees. We started recognizing all these medicines came from trees and holy cow. So Sarasota, Florida was very iconic and we have the first public canopy walkway in North America in Mayaka River State Park, which is amazing. (laughs) The community built that. If you go out there and look at those planks, I hope some of you have your names on them, there are a lot of stories marriages, funerals, weddings, graduations. It's a whole community creating that canopy, which is so awesome. And that did, as most of you know, triple the visitorship to Mayaca at a time when state parks were closing right, left, and center. So I'm really amazed and grateful to the community. Now at the same time as MIACA was built, this is kind of a funny story, but I got called out to help create a canopy walkway in a place where they were trying to measure the value, the monetary value of trees, and this was a place called Biosphere Two in Arizona. anybody ever heard of it? Yeah. The pyramid, the glass pyramid, funded by Ed Bass, who was a real cowboy at heart. So little old me went out there to build their canopy walkway, and because I was a single mom, I couldn't leave my kids home alone, so they came with me, and lo and behold, we ended up in a very remote hot hotel in the middle of the desert and i thought gosh i can't leave the kids here all day so they're going to have to come with mom into the biosphere while i did this engineering and measuring and creation of this walkway so eddie and james i think they were gosh age maybe eight and nine came along i quickie made up a science project i said you guys can count the invasive ants on the forest floor. Well, I know there were billions of invasive ants, but never mind. They were kind of excited about that. But the funny part of the story is at about 10 in the morning, we hear this loud, angry voice over the PA saying, What in the heck? But he didn't use that nice language. Were those kids doing in the forest, the rainforest biome of the Uh, Biosphere and we looked around and said well they're helping and he said well kids aren't allowed in the Biosphere It's the crankiest voice I've ever heard and it was the CEO of the Biosphere 2 project. His name was Steve Bannon. (laughs) (laughs) So my young sons had a very early introduction to this guy and if you Google CNN and uh, Steve Bannon and Biosphere 2, you will get the most extraordinary interview of this guy explaining how we can use forests to store carbon and that they are the saving grace of the environment and climate change is real and we need to do something about it. So
1: I don't know what happened to
0: him, but it was a different person. Anyway, unbelievable. And um, that was our story of Steve Bannon, which, we never appreciated it until now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, the Mayanka Canopy Walkway, the Biosphere 2, which led to measuring carbon, uh, doing a lot of things to help us appreciate how productive trees are under that glass dome. All of these really, maybe in the last two decades of research, have led us to truly appreciate the value of a tree. and. It's extraordinary because they work while we sleep that's the amazing thing you don't have to put gas in them you don't have to go out and pay taxes on them or buy them extra food maybe you do want to water them once in a while but trees are this amazing machine that does a whole lot for us while we sleep and so I have my little list At the end of this talk, you're going to get a bookmark to take home by my best research associate, Sarah, up here. Because, in case you forget something, but for every cocktail party from now on, you need to know the 10 cool things that trees do for you while you sleep. Uh, And uh, one is carbon storage. One tree, on average, absorbs 48 pounds of CO2 a year. Go and call your car dealer and find out what your car is emitting and know how many trees you need in your yard. You'll be even. You'll be green. Right, John (laughs) Lambie? Trees produce oxygen, which is so fantastic. Have you ever noticed how good you feel in the forest? I'm still waiting for a doctor to research this. It's got to be higher quality breathing in the forest from on the edge of I 41, for example. so but I've never seen a research project on that. Maybe a Pine view student will do that because they just got number one in the state, which is pretty cool. Um, trees produce fruits, amazing amounts of fruits. Pre- trees, are the leaders of gas exchange. All of these amazing gases we need to stay alive and keep our atmosphere healthy are absolutely produced by them. They control our climate. Trees are like amazing machines that take in water, release water, do all this stuff to really keep our planet healthy. Have you ever noticed or seen data about places where you cut down all the trees in a city and suddenly it's five degrees warmer? And when you have trees, it's actually cooler and shadier. Well, it's not rocket science. It's simply the value of what a tree is producing for us. Um, trees save lots of money. Um, in the uh, Austin, Texas, they just did a huge study, and they found that trees save something like $130 million a year. And Energy expenses for the residents because of their canopy cover. So, all of these metrics are pretty new in urban planning, but very exciting. Um, trees are our last biodiversity library in many cases. I'm just leaving for Ethiopia on Sunday, which is a little bit of a sad story because they have lost 95% of their forest. Every pollinator, every bird, every mammal, as you can imagine needs those forests to survive. And if they lose that 5%, where will the women be gardening? Where will the people be for birds? Yes. What caused that loss of trees? Um, subsistence agriculture and the advancing extremes of droughts and strange climatic events so that people kept clearing more to plant more but they don't have metal plows they don't have irrigation so to feed their families they've had to clear too much land and no knowledge that we all have about the importance of trees which is why I'm there now helping them save the last 5% explaining things but like the freshwater spring happens to be in the forest. They think that's just a chance event, but I'm trying to help them understand that that's because forests do that for them. So thanks for asking. Yes. Is this the place where you to save one little small area around the church? Well, it's the place where the only trees left are around the church. Um, So we're walling. We're making stone walls around all of those church forests, which is really important to save everything. And the one good piece of news, I say that my darling minister, Susan DeWingard is no longer with us. She's in Maryland, but I have a great new minister at First Press. But what do Florida churches surround themselves by? Parking Parking lots. Parking lots, right. (laughs) So at least in Ethiopia, they have a great ethic. They believe a successful church is surrounded by forests. So that's kind of a neat thing. They just need a little bit of incentive and help. And actually that leads me to my last two things. Forests provide, of course, all our timber, a lot of our fabrics. And for billions of people, they provide a spiritual value. And that's really an important one that's hard to monetize, but very important nonetheless. there's this cool term, sorry, one term only, called ecosystem services, meaning the ecosystem of the forest provides services to you guys, like freshwater and biodiversity and all these cool things. And people have calculated that the whole globe gets about $36 trillion a year from nature. And out of that, about $18 trillion is forests. You know, that's bigger than the GDP, if you want to go back and look at the numbers. And it's changing all the time, of course, but it's huge if you add up fresh water and pollinators and things that we might have to do artificially if our beloved trees disappeared. Um, So my final thought to you is you need to be inspired by trees. You need to plant trees, a very simple activity that's so extraordinarily good. help people like the Conservation Foundation keep our trees and follow us on the um, Tree Foundation to find out where we're saving forests. But I just gave a commencement address and I told the college students that everything I know I learned from a tree. And so I want to tell you what those are and then you can maybe feel good and hug a tree after this talk. Um, So here's what trees have taught me. Stand tall. Drink lots of water. <laughs> Appreciate sunlight and good soil. Go out on a limb once in a while. In my <laughs> case, maybe a lot. Um, remember your roots. My mom and dad are here. Thanks, mom and dad. Yay! <laughs> woo Such an absolute privilege to have them with me, which is so fun. Um, enjoy the view. Provide sanctuary for others. Create and conserve energy, and last of all, grow. So thank you very much. (laughs) I'll share two little quick things that, just in case anybody wonders about all the medicines from trees, some of you might know this who came to the Amazon with me, but this is the original Viagra and it's from seven vines in the canopy of trees of course and one anatomical part of a monkey that I won't explain. Uh, the kind of funny thing about this is I gave a lecture a couple years ago at the Manatee Doctors' Hospital and passed all my medicines around and at the, at the end of the talk, Wrong. guess what was missing? <laughs> and my real fear is like, can't take this stuff without the shaman telling you how much to take so I don't know if there's a doctor in manatee that had quintuplets or had nobody or what happened but please give my regards to the manatee doctor's hospital they were so apologetic that they made a donation um, to the tree foundation for the the loss of my precious medicine Um, but anyway trees are amazing they provide so much and they host of course, vines, as well as the trees themselves. So in parting, um, Sarah, my helper, is going to pass out a bookmark that gives you those 10 things that trees do for you so you can take them home and memorize them for your next <laughs> cocktail party. Thank you. <laughs> a couple of questions. I so think we have talk You've been a very good class. Yes, Tamara. I have- Question before, so I'll ask it in front of people. (laughs) In a grocery store, when you're asked plastic or paper, what do you say? Right, cool. Plastic or paper. And I actually wrote a column about that in the Herald Tribune. If you talk to Tom try and give him a piece of my mind, because you know what, they canceled the science column. And I said I'd do it for free. And he said it's not that, that people don't want science. So there's no more science column in the Herald. But maybe we could try to change that. So I had an article called Plastic, Paper, Plastic, or Prada. And so the real answer is Prada, meaning a cloth bag that you recycle. Because guess what? No one, to my knowledge, has ever done a research project comparing the biodegradation of plastic versus paper in a Florida landfill. It's a great science project for a high school or college student. It's extraordinary because there's different attributes of both. But I do remember you saying, as for plastic, because it's killing a tree. Right, well at this point, because the paper bags are so hard and tough and weigh a lot that they do estimate scientifically that they're actually harder to biodegrade and they've made a lot of plastics that do biodegrade. Um, So in actual fact, it probably is the better thing to do. And the best thing is if you recycle your plastic bag and use it for something else like your dog poop or your whatever, your knitting or whatever you need. Thanks, Tamara. Yes, Yes. Sonia. You mentioned the uh, Catskills, and I grew up there but it may not be the same Catskills you're talking about. Do you know what, what towns you were in? No, and I actually don't because this is a case study that's really highly cited as a big success story for New York. And you are so correct. There are so many acres of Catskills. I don't know the exact locations of all of the preserve area they bought. Or do you have a good story or a bad story? Like, did your area get cleared or did it get saved <laughs> in terms of forest? I have no idea. It was a Jewish resort when I was there. Cool. Well, hopefully it's still there with lots of trees. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, Mary. I remember reading years ago in a column of yours about the Australian pines and how they were actually the largest or the most common transforming tree. and I remember writing a letter to the editor about that because we all, we all want to take these. these right. Stuff. So yes and no, they like are life carbon life. storage, but these live oaks are storing more carbon. Fast-growing plants don't store as much carbon as slow-growing plants. Number one, and number two, the um, year trees uh, unfortunately don't support a lot of native biodiversity, so that's problematic. And so there are a lot of reasons why our darling Melaleuca isn't so welcome here. The funny thing for me is, as a former Australian, they are hard-pressed to grow 20 feet in Australia. They're just measly little spindly things because they have so many natural enemies. And here, of course, none of their enemies has arrived yet, so they grow big and tall and strong. So that's always a problem with invasive species. Yes? Uh, Preservation versus protection. Uh, Mm -hmm. Sustainable green forestry practice, harvesting, is that augmenting the tree? Are you a proponent of that? Um, we, We need products from forests. We desperately need paper still. We need all sorts of things from forests. So managed forestry is a really important part of how we need to respond and act sustainably. In my world of tropical rainforests, there's less than 1% of the rainforest is sustainably managed. That's a very tough, if not impossible, type of forest. to. Actually, manage it is possible with pine plantations, it's possible with certain types of forests, but we all need to recognize that it's still very different from a primary forest. We also need to accept the fact that America cut down 98% of her forests. We exceed Ethiopia, but we planted back forests, you see. We have the economy to plant trees again, but we still only have two or three percent of what are the original primary types of forests in our country and meaning we we might not know what went extinct. We might not know how it really used to look. They say a squirrel used to be able to go from New York to Portland, Oregon in the canopy in the good old days and of course that is no longer the case. But we definitely need managed forests because we still need to harvest forest products. Better to harvest them from Managed planted forests than from any remaining primary tracts. But from carbon content, if you take the overstory, all those old crowns down and have new, isn't that more um, environmentally sound than having a mature forest with um carbon? Not necessarily, because the soil contains a lot of carbon, a huge amount of carbon, and in those old forests, those soils are well and truly. Uh, secure and conserving a lot of carbon. The minute you start mo- removing trees and removing roots and turning things over and planting in certain kinds of process, you lose a lot of the soil carbon, which is a detriment and sometimes not metriced as well. And with those plantations, yes, it's great, but again, those fast-growing trees don't store as much carbon as those slow-growing really, really um, kind of solid timber trees that have 200, 300 years of rings on them. So two different things, but great to replant forests rather than to let that land be unforested for sure. Um, Last week at the Climate Change Conference at USF, Dr. Wain Lester, University of Miami, said mangroves concentrate more than any other plant at four times the rate of many trees. So for those of us that aren't on the water, Right. Um, What are the three species that you would most like us to plant? Well, mangroves are fantastic, and I'm glad you brought mangroves up. In my next life, I want to be a mangrove biologist (laughs) because they're so endangered and so important in many ways, and they're really slow-growing, and so that's probably why they capture so much carbon. Um, Around here, you absolutely can't go wrong with live oaks. I mean, let's face it, you've got to look at what's native because they're doing the best for the soil. We have 16, 17 at last count of different species of live oaks, so you should plant a variety. Depending on where you live, you might want to look into some other natives. Maples are fantastic. You want dense wood and you want relatively slow-growing if you can, but trees that become large, if that makes sense, okay? You don't want just shrubs because you want to get those big trunks built up over time, and then you want to retain them if you possibly can. We had a drought in California for the last five years, and the, the government said to people, don't water your grass, let it die, but please water your tree because it takes you 300 years to replace the tree, It takes you two years to replace the grass or the shrubs. So always try to maintain those beloved big trees. They're really important. Yes, Molly. Yes. We love you. We wish you would come back and live in Sarasota. You are our hero. (laughs) Thanks, my darling Molly. A little known fact, but in the year 2000, the city of Sarasota planted 2,000 trees. Yay. That is so fantastic. Oh, I love it. and we've been doing some projects with Tree Foundation too and we need to do more and I would love to do that. I'm just looking for a niche where I can be Mother Nature big here. I will say I've learned a lot in California about different kinds of ways people are dealing with environmental concerns but it needs to happen in Florida. It's I'm one voice of thousands in California, where I think here we need the voices a little more. And you guys are thin on the ground, so keep talking. Be loud. John Lambie. May, could you just say a little Absolutely. Yeah. I had the privilege of being on John's board for many years with the Florida House, which is so great. And he has incredible visions and, uh, you know, we need those canopies to protect the water and we obviously need those watersheds to protect our biodiversity and all of this adds up to real estate value in the end, so this whole system of natural and built and then geological systems is so extraordinary in this part of the world. And Florida's in a unique position because unlike Vermont and upstate New York where I grew up, you can't just plant a track of trees back and expect them to grow overnight. A lot of these systems are very fragile and the water in particular can become saline or toxic from different effects and we need to Keep them as is. We need to use our urban communities to live in and keep our natural communities to recreate and keep us alive because they are so, so important. And Christine is an expert on that too. So talk to her afterward for more information. Thanks, John. Maybe two more. Yes. On another tack, we have beetles coming through the United States. Fancy that. <laughs> Sorry. Can you give us anything little no. different? What's going on? How to deal? Well, not really. Unfortunately, we are a mobile society and we bring all sorts of invasive species on our shoes, as spores, in our luggage, as insect larvae, in our transported timbers and moved goods, all sorts of things. It's impossible to control, which is very unfortunate. I believe every species of tree in the U.S. now has an invasive pest, which is really tough. I think we have to be very careful not to fall for the short-term solution, which is some genetically modified release of um, an insect that we think will counteract those activities. If you look at the cane toad in Australia that was meant to contain or control the sugar cane grub, you will see a disaster that happened and cost the country so many millions more dollars. So we've just got to you know, stick to it. But the best thing you could do is be have a natural ecosystem. A lot of these insect pests respond when there's what we call a monoculture, when you have a median with all the same species of trees. Or you have a town where they've only planted five types of trees in everybody's lawn, some type of development. So the more diversity your habitat has, the more resilience your trees will get or any of your vegetation. But it ain't easy. I can't give you the magic panacea. Yes. Uh, Where we live, we have our oak trees were planted on small areas near our house and we're finding that the oak tree roots are causing problems. Are there any way, is there any way of uh, preventing them from... You know, a tree has a root system as big as its canopy, on estimate. That's the average size, so you're going to have to go home and look up and look down. And decide if they're not too big, you could move the tree. It does cost something, but they're probably beautiful trees. But yeah. otherwise, you do have a, a, a problem. We're not the, the canopy back. That's not that that. the um, <laughs> Not necessarily, because the root system might work overtime to replace the canopy. So you're in a bind. I'm sorry about that. That is a big homeowner's dilemma. I see Betsy Domenio, my favorite realtor, looking gassed. You talk to her afterwards. All right, oh, one last person. You've been so patient, okay. Going forward, what are some areas to invest in in terms of preserving the environment, and what areas offer home? Right, so obviously the more times we can have natural areas that haven't been <laughs> in any way degraded that's fantastic. So the top priority would be any tracks of forests, any tracks of wetlands that are natural without needing a lot of maintenance to bring them back to their true form is the best way to go. The mangroves are so important um, along the coast for all of us as an insurance for hurricanes which is huge but tree canopies can do the same thing for those of us who live inland. And quite frankly, you can do a bio blitz. You can look at the diversity of a tract of land, and that's what we're trying to do now in Malaysia to help ameliorate the oil palm issues. And we're trying to find the areas with the most species, and then we're saving those first, because you want to take care of mother nature. You don't want to lose your natural pollinators and your native bees and your native epiphytes if you possibly can. So find those areas with the most lo- local biodiversity and work really hard to save them. And if you have nothing else, go plant trees in schoolyards and libraries. We still have a ton of, a ton, literally tons of CO2 we can ameliorate with tree planting. A simple activity that goes a long way. Thank you.